Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey Eagles fans, welcome back to the No Huddle Show podcast. We are reworked and revamped with a new co-host. I'm Eagles beat reporter Mike K here for NJ.com, and I'm joined by my new partner in coverage, Chris Franklin. Chris, I'm so excited to have you join us on the beat and also join us on the No Huddle Show podcast. I'm looking forward to this adventure that we call the Eagles beat, especially with this season and the coronavirus pandemic kind of hitting the team and hitting you know the the area in a, in a big way obviously it's unfortunate what's going on but we are really excited to get some good news in this whole pandemic that you're joining the beat how you doing today well hey mike uh, thank you very much and thank you all to who, who's listening to this podcast right now i'm very excited to join in i know we're in a unique situation right now with this whole pandemic and wish we were all together right now wish to see you face to face right now when it comes to doing this podcast but in order to be safe we're doing this right now so all i know is that we know we're about to i know mike and i are going to do the best we can to bring you the best coverage of the eagles as well too and, and i could not be more excited to join you and the listeners here today so, Chris, I know you have a football background. Tell the folks kind of about how you got here, your, your news background, every, everything that put you on the road to the Eagles beat for NJ.com. Well, I like to say I took the scenic route to, to where I'm at today when it came there. Uh, it all started. I was playing semi-pro football. I was pretty much the Coy Detmer of the team, a bunch of teams I was playing. But whenever I did get in, I was a backup quarterback. And whenever I did get – well, one day when I did get in, I may have had a foot a foot stuck in the turf and was tackled uh, trying to avoid a sack. And I may have torn, broken my ankle and tore all the ligaments in there. So just imagine the one ankle facing at 9 o'clock while the healthy one was facing at 12. A little painful, a little difficult, but uh, it actually was a blessing in disguise, it turned out, too, because it actually forced me to do the writing. I joined up with Coach and Player Magazine covering Temple football, doing some NFL work, some with the Eagles. Then it led to me working for a weekly in Burlington County to doing some news, which led me to NJ.com covering South Jersey for the last three years. It's been an interesting ride to say at least seen presidential visits, uh, have seen uh, weird weather. I mean, just look a couple days ago. Uh, we had to go ahead and deal with that tropical storm and sitting out there in a Seattle city in the middle of the beach at a 70 mile per hour. It was pretty interesting, but it was giving the news to people and giving them an idea what it's what it was like to be there. And that's 
the type of stuff that I hope to add to what you and what have Zach has done in, in the past as well, too, and uh, giving people a view of the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, Zach's gone. He still hasn't watched Tombstone. So <laughs> I don't know how much we're going to bring him up moving forward. Uh but you know what? With w- this is a new beginning for us. Uh, you know, a lot of loyal listeners know that we've kind of been on and off throughout the off season. Zach's been working the Giants beat. Um, so right now, I can tell you that we will be weekly now at minimum. Uh, Chris and I are really excited about bringing you the best coverage possible through this podcast. We are all, you know, all. Steam all whatever ahead. You know what I mean? I can't think of the word, but uh, Chris and I are really excited about it. Chris and I have been talking football. We've known about this for about a a couple of weeks and we've just kind of been building up that chemistry. It's like, it's like Jalen Rager said about Jalen Hurts. It's like they've been, we've been teammates forever. We've been playing together for years. And so uh, Chris and I have very similar mindsets, but we also have different um, strengths and weaknesses and I think we're going to compliment each other like John Stockton and Carl Malone. Uh, <laughs> you got that right. Was- we're going to we're going to run that pick and roll. I know it's a different sport, but um, I'm Which very excited. Though? Hey, well, Western <laughs> Conference Championship. But, uh, that's the that's the bar. At least we'll try to we'll, we're trying to be above the bar. But um, you know, uh, Pippen and, and and Jordan, I think was the the comparison that you made. Uh, I'm trying to be humble because I heard people like you more when you're humble. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but so, um, you know, we, we brought it up earlier, but the coronavirus pandemic is obviously affecting the NFL. There have been over 60 players who have opted out, including uh, Eagles wide receiver uh, Marquise Goodwin. Uh, his entire contract comes off the books, moves to 2021, gives the Eagles a tad bit of cap relief because as I reported after they traded for him, he agreed to rework his contract down from $3.95 million to $1.35 million. Uh, the coronavirus prevented him from taking a physical to reworking his deal. That's why it hadn't officially hit the books as of uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, we'll hope, hopefully get some more updates on that as, as they move forward, because I'm not sure if he can take a physical now that the season's not happening. Either way, the Eagles get a little bit of cap relief. And next year, he'll be on the books. They've got to figure out what they're doing there. Look, obviously, this is something that has uh, already impacted the roster. There's uh, Lane Johnson, who tested positive for coronavirus. Doug Peterson tested positive for coronavirus. Those are the two big names. But also Nathan Gary and Jordan Melotta are both on the COVID reserve list. They have not come off. They've been on there for over a week. Um so I think when you when you talk about the impact of this virus, we're already seeing it. Doug Peterson's having to coach from home. Deuce Staley is, uh, you know, working as the interim head coach for the day to day at the Novacare Complex. Um, and, you know, this is a really big opportunity for Deuce Staley, but it's also an opportunity for Doug Peterson to really evaluate how his staff coaches without him. Uh, we spoke to Fletcher Cox earlier this week. Here's what he had to say about how Doug is handling coaching from afar. I mean, uh, Doug's doing a really good job man, of leading his team virtually. Uh, and um, it's just one of them deals where now, right now, we just have to be able to adapt, you know, as a team. We know um, a lot of stuff is going to happen during the season. We just have to adapt to it. And Doug is the leader that we all know. He's doing a really good job um, 
leading us virtually. Um, Deuce is doing a really good job of doing it, you know, handling everything. The players are doing a good job. So everything is going pretty smooth. So you hear Fletcher Cox say that the Doug's doing a great job and that Deuce is doing a great job. I wonder how much input Peterson is allowing Deuce to have on a daily basis. Uh, you know, obviously they're in phase two of their their program for training camp, which allows strength and conditioning as well as um, walkthroughs. Now, players can't wear helmets. This isn't like a big to do, but it's typical. It, it, it's similar to what happens on a Friday during the season where they can, you know, line up in 12 personnel. They can line up in 11 personnel. They can get their personnel groups out there. The issue is the only people that can touch the football are quarterbacks, wide receivers, and specialists. So you're not really getting the opportunity to kind of see what your offense can do from a, from a full tilt standpoint. They're not even basically playing flag football. Chris, you know, with, with a background as a quarterback and a background in football in general, how hard is it to kind of build chemistry when only, you know, four people can touch the football? Well, it's, there's problems on a couple fronts when it comes to that. Uh, the first thing you're going to have to look at is when you're trying to get that true practice. You have two different speeds. You have practice speed and you have game speed. And when you don't have those other people that are inside, you can't go ahead and get practice the coming off the line, can't practice those chucks getting off the line. It can be a little. It can be a little issue, and especially at a position right now where you have a lot of young receivers. The, the Eagles do, and you want to go ahead and get them that NFL experience, and you want to go ahead and get them. Hey, this is how you avoid uh, a cornerback, a, a Patrick Peterson type thing when he tries to jam you off the line or trying to get the ins and outs. That can be a little rough when it comes to there, and also when you don't have a guy. And also, when you don't have a guy like Peterson in the building to go ahead and oversee some things, like he can probably watch via Zoom, he can probably watch different other things, but it's just not there. When you know that coaches sit there watching, you know that somebody he's right there, the man who's a lot of the, now they say it's collaborative, but one of the main parts to go ahead and making those decisions to see who's going to basically decide your livelihood if you're going to get cut or not, it's going to impact you a lot. So I think when it comes to the overall adjusting to the speed, learning how to run the routes, how to go ahead in, in the physicality and getting used to all the acclimates, all that stuff, it's going to be a big difference. So for me, I, I was tasked by our editors to come up with a couple of solutions with Doug out of the building. Now, uh, Press Taylor was also sent home. He had tested negative, but he was in close contact with Doug Peterson. We're not sure when he's coming back to the, the facility. Now, from that angle, like press isn't like a seasoned play caller. He's not a seasoned offensive coordinator. He's a quarterback's coach. But they have got, you know, Carson Wentz is a veteran. They have veterans in the building. Rich Gangarello is a longtime uh, quarterback's coach. He was an offensive coordinator last year for the Broncos. He's going to be able to fill that void. Also, Marty Morningweg who is a longtime offensive coordinator, has been a quarterback's coach, has been a head coach. He Having him in the building can help do Staley, uh, as well as Jeff Stoutland, who is one of the senior members of the Eagles staff. He's probably one of the more respected assistant coaches in the league. I think the Eagles are fine from the perspective of a position-to-position -position situation. I just wonder how much they're able to take in and how much Doug Peterson's voice is felt in virtual meetings. You know what I mean? 
you know, that one thing that's going to be kind of weird and one thing that may benefit the Eagles as opposed to some of their divisional divisional opponents, they actually have been, most of that staff has been together for a long time and you still have a, core, a good core of people that are there. Imagine being Joe Judge or Ron Rivera or Mike McCarthy, you're trying to institute these new systems into your new teams and you can't go ahead and you can't tell the players in person, this is how I want to go ahead and get your, I want the routes to come out this way. This is how we want to go ahead and do things. This is how I want to go ahead and practice like you normally could do during a normal training camp. I think right now the Eagles are in a better position than some of those other teams, but it's still weird being in this new norm when it comes to this team. It's, it's, it's going to be adjustment. It's pretty much going to be whatever team can go ahead and get into some type of normalcy quickly is going to be a team that can go out and get to a fast break. That's a great point. And I think another thing that's that's interesting in this whole dynamic, too, is Jim Schwartz is the head coach of the defense. Like Doug Peterson has very little input on that side of the ball. So the defense is kind of at a norm. You know what I mean? Like Fletcher is relating more towards like the overarching theme of, of the team and and team meetings bringing the guys together but when you look at it you've got a you've got some former head coaches on the staff you have a bunch of former coordinators i mean matt burke was a coordinator for the dolphins just two years ago um ken flagel the linebackers coach has been around forever uh marcon manuel was a defensive coordinator for the atlanta falcons like there there's so much experience on the staff and what i think's a good sign about this staff too is there's a lot of former players on it. That's something Doug Peterson really emphasizes. And I think that helps with relating to players and relating to their struggles. That's what I think is beneficial to the rookie class, at least with from this, this perspective, because you look at when this is happening, it's early August. You know, if Peterson went down in the week before the season started, then this would be like an all hands on deck. Wow. This is going to be a big deal. But when I, when I think about, like the entire makings of the staff. Deuce Staley is a guy who I have a lot of faith in. I watched him at the East West Shrine game a few years ago, coaching up players. And it was, I learned a ton just from listening to him talking to offensive linemen. So I, I think they're in really good shape, especially with Gangarello and, and Morningwig and Schwartz and Manuel and uh, Burke. They have a lot of leaders in that room. And it doesn't seem like for the first time, like a lot of times we talk about there's too many chefs in the kitchen. They just have a really strong coaching staff. Um, and if anything, this allows Peterson to really evaluate his staff. You know, we've seen the wide receiver uh, coach turnstile where they've had more uh, wide receivers coaches than James than uh, Daniel Craig has had James Bond movies. So like, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where you're really getting to evaluate your staff. I think Manuel is an upgrade over Corey Undlin from a defensive backs coaching standpoint from the people I talked to. He was a teammate, a college teammate of Lido Shepherds. Lido just bragged on him hard. Even back when they were in college, he was a coach on the field. So uh, I think that's a big deal. And then you, you talk about Aaron Moorhead, the wide receivers coach. Look, he played with Reggie Wayne and Brandon Stokely and Marvin Harrison and Peyton Manning. Like he knows the ins and outs of being a wide receiver from an like ever from every aspect, he won a Super Bowl with them. He played special teams. He can relate to these guys. He was also a pretty good college wide receivers coach. Excuse me. So you know, I think from that end, he's going to have a really 
good opportunity to kind of emphasize his voice and emphasize his teaching, even with Doug Peterson out of the building. I mean, and, and we're talking about evaluations. Think about what I know it's been talked about a lot this past week, but think about the position Deuce Staley's in now. He's been, there's been a lot of talk about him not being an offensive coordinator, not being even a head coach. This gives an opportunity. Granted, it's not an, an optimal timing period right now for it, but this gives him an opportunity to show how he can go ahead and lead a team, not just his own positions coach. I mean, if you remember watching Deuce, he was great versatility, and he think he all that versatility when it comes to r- running between the tackles, catching the ball at the backfield. He can share that his experiences, and it helps. Like as you say beforehand, being a former player, he can. He can go ahead and convey that to some of the younger ones, but also he can now do that for the whole team, being that he's now, for the time being, in the building. So this is going to be a big time, uh, key moment for Deuce as well, too, I think, in his coaching career to show that, hey, you know what? It was, we didn't miss, the uh, Eagles didn't miss a beat there, and it's going really well. So, you know, speaking of Deuce, he was talking about. Uh, his running back room. A lot of people have speculated about potentially adding a veteran to the running back group. Here's what he had to say about his group as it is right now. I have a hell of a room, a bunch of young players that can play and play fast. Those guys in my room right now, they work their ass off. And of course they're young, but we have Boston. We have miles who have, who has a ton of playing time. So even though they're young, they, they played a lot. And then we have, the, of course, the Michael Warren. We have Adrian Killens. We have Corey, who has a bunch of playing time. He's coming off of injuries, who looks great, by the way. Saw him not too long ago. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very happy with my room and everybody's role into the room. So it's awesome. I like where I'm at. So you hear Deuce. Deuce sounds pretty enthusiastic. I mean, he's a guy who's worked with a lot of really good running backs. And I think, you know, look, Miles Sanders is going to be the guy. He's going to be the bell cow. This is going to be the first time in the Doug Peterson era where we see a running back take the bulk of the carries and really carry this offense. And so I think from that perspective, they're in really good shape. He really improved throughout the season. He obviously they try to push him out there. Uh, the first four weeks, and he struggled with his vision. Um, And then you saw as the season kind of went on, especially in the second half of the season, he improved his vision in between the tackles. He didn't dance as much as he used to. Uh, He was obviously a great downfield threat. He's a guy that I think could be maybe the number two receiver out of the backfield in the NFL behind Christian McCaffrey this season. Uh, You know, and then I think, from from the backup standpoint, Boston Scott, who I called the giant killer, uh, he's look, he's shown that he can be a really good change of pace back when called upon. This is going to be a big offseason for him, and he's got to take that momentum and continue to grow uh, as a blocker and as a receiver out of the backfield. They brought Corey Clement back. Coaches have been really, really impressed with how he's he's attacked the offseason coming off that shoulder surgery. And then behind that, you know, the Eagles normally keep four to five running backs. This will be their first year without Darren Sproles uh, under Peterson. You know, they don't have J.H.I.E. They don't have that LeGarrette Blunt type. But they have three intriguing young guys who've never played in the NFL before in Adrian Killens, uh, Mike Warren, 
and uh, Elijah Holyfield. And I don't know how you feel about that group, Chris, but from my perspective, it's really intriguing as a guy who likes studying the bottom of the roster. I think they're going to they think he has some good options when it comes down there. Uh, when the Eagles do well, historically, so when the Eagles do well, they have a good running game to offset the passing game. And they've done well when they had a committee, a de facto committee, by say, but you still have those lead blocks, the lead running backs. I, I have no problem at all. Miles Sanders getting a bulk of the carries. We've seen what he was able to do last year, and it was impressive. And you had another year with that, and it's going to be great. I think Boston Scott, like you said, Boston Scott is a good change of pace back. I think especially if you go ahead and you line, you can line him up anywhere, almost a la Darren Sproles. You can line him up anywhere. And with that speed he has, he creates matchup problems. The thing that I'm looking at this group, and I really hope one of them stands out. I know you have Corey Clement. He had a rough year. He had a rough year the last couple of years. Ever since the Super Bowl year, it's been a little bit rough. I want to see which one, just in case it ever comes to that, is third and one in the fourth quarter, and you really need to pick up a first down. Who's going to be that punishing back that's going to go ahead and do that? And I'm looking at the list right now of this running back, Mike Warren. I remember seeing him at Cincinnati. I think Mike Warren has a very good chance to make this team. I'm going to be watching him very closely during training camp. I think he finish, he finishes off runs. He brings that power a la Chris Warren. I think he definitely could be somebody you're looking at. Adrian Killens, I see him in the same mold as a Boston Scott. I think he brings a lot of speed when he was at UCF and they were really going with that no huddle offense and they were really putting the pedals to the metal on that one to it. He was a main factor. He could also be created a matchup problem. Problem is, you have the same person in Boston Scott. I mean, don't get me wrong; it'd be embarrassing of riches if he had, if he had either one of them, and they turn out to do even well than they did last year. So, I, I have no problem with either one. But I definitely think the pe- person to watch for is Mike Warren in this group. Yeah, and I think you know as we talk about that. So we talk about the veteran options. They're very limited. The Eagles, as I've reported several times, do not want to pay a running back. LaShawn McCoy just signed with uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks. They missed out on Carlos Hyde, who signed for a pretty minimal salary in Seattle. Um, I just don't know if Freeman's going to want to play in like the COVID era of the NFL when he's not going to get paid a lot. He's already held out as long as he possibly could. Uh, we're already in the middle of a training camp. I'm not sure if it makes sense to sign him. The guy I would sign is Theo Riddick. Uh, really good gadget back, has a lot of experience. He missed all of last season with an injury, but it was said to be minor. Uh, but he was in Denver last year with Rich Gangarello, and I think having that background is important. He was drafted, I believe, by Jim Schwartz when he was in Detroit, too. So there's a background there. Um he makes a lot of sense as competition. I don't, I'm not huge on veteran. Like I don't think you really need a lot of veterans at the running back position, especially because you have someone like deuce in that room. Um, but I do think adding to that competition is important. Normally the Eagles bring seven to eight running backs to training camp. They're not going to have a preseason this year. So they don't necessarily have to worry about as many injury concerns. But I do think when you look at the, the practice squad being moved from 10 to 12 to now 16 players because of the coronavirus, you need to be able to pad your practice roster and your emergency roster with as many guys as possible. And now you can have six players of any experience on the practice squad. That's a huge change and a huge thing that they need to take advantage of uh, moving forward because, you know, 
Theoretic's a guy who realistically has a background in that Shanahan style defense just because he spent the 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 summer in Denver last year with Scangarello who brought that or sorry, the Shanahan offense who brought that that uh that to Denver. So I think having that background is very important. I also think, you know, like you brought up with Corey Clement with the injuries, they need a guy who could realistically fill that role if he were to go down. And we don't really know what you're going to see from Adrian Killens. You don't know what you're going to see from Mike Warren, who I agree with you, I think is the top dog for that fourth running back job because he brings something that nobody else has. I mean, he's a power runner. uh, And as Deuce Staley said, he's built like a bowling ball. Um, And I think they need that from, from a certain perspective, like, Boston Scott can handle short yardage. Miles Sanders has shown he can show, handle short yardage. But having that true like third and one, fourth and one back is really important, especially if there's an injury to one of those players in front of him. Um, so I think when you look at the way the Eagles run things with the four running backs, that's important. So wrapping that up, Chris, do you have anything more to add on that? And I think the best way for one of these running backs, even if they want to make it a real tough decision, they better be. They also have to be good on special teams because you can't just say, hey, I want to stick around on the roster and possibly get in for one or two plays. They're going to have to be versatile enough to be on, on the special team. So that's why I hope that either if Warren, even Holyfield or Clement, we saw play special teams a couple of a few times and even Killings, if they want to go ahead and differentiate themselves, they're going to have to go all in on the special teams. Yeah, and, and, you know, you bring up special teams. It's a great segue for our next segment that we're going to bring up throughout training camp. Uh, We call it the sleeper spotlight. And so this is a segment where you and I will each bring up a sleeper and a guy who can can bring more to the table than anyone else is expecting. Um, They're kind of not talked about that much. Here's my sleep. Here's Dave Fipp. Uh, the special teams coordinator on my sleeper of the week, Duke Riley. Uh, Duke's a great guy. He just has a lot of energy. Um, I would say that's the first thing. And then he plays the game with a lot of passion. You can tell it's really important to him. He embraces every play. doesn't matter if it's an offensive play, a defensive play. He plays them all the same way. You can tell he's a true competitor. I mean, I, I will say to you, I know it's kind of come up this theme, but I mean, my favorite part of this whole game is those guys' stories. I mean, he's got a great story. He comes from a unique situation. Um, he's got great interests off the field of fishing and hunting and doing all these crazy things. Um, but at the end of the day, he has a burning passion to succeed and uh, to become a become a complete player in this league. He, he loves playing the game, and you can tell that it's really important to him. Um, and I'd say his just his demeanor and energy is infectious, and uh, that's something he really brought to the room. And uh, I mean, he's kind of a leader. He's a natural get-in-front guy. Uh, players rally around him. They enjoy him not only on the field but off the field. All that stuff's important. But just really, he's a he's a unique person and uh, really enjoyable to be around. Um, and obviously, I love the way he plays the game. I really appreciate him and have a lot of respect for him. So, Chris, I hope Dave Fitt made my argument for me. I, look, I think Duke Riley's the guy who's the favorite to be that third starting outside line or third starting linebacker uh, next to presumed middle linebacker TJ Edwards and then Nate Garriott, uh, outside linebacker. The Eagles don't really play Will and Sam. They basically pay, play sides. 
So I, I think when you have a guy like Duke Riley who's got speed, who, who's got experience in a, in a room that doesn't have a lot of experience. Remember, Nate Gary uh, and Duke Riley are the only guys who have played in the league for more than two years. So I think having those two guys out there, Duke's probably only going to play 15 to 20 percent of the snaps. But I think having him out there, you saw him out there a little bit towards the end of last year. I think he's got a good opportunity here competing with third round pick Davian Taylor, who's a bit of a project. He's also competing with Sean Bradley, uh, their sixth round pick, and then Jatavis Brown, who they brought in free agency, who kind of, you know, fell out of favor in Los Angeles with the Chargers and signed for a minimum deal. I don't know if he's even a lock to make the roster at this point, even though Jim Schwartz brought him up and, and praised him. Uh, who's your sleeper? I know you talked about Mike Warren, but who's your sleeper heading into training camp? Well, my sleeper is the guy who's going to be going directly at Duke Riley. And I think it really is going to be Sean Bradley. I think when you look at his ability to at the linebacker position to go from sideline to sideline, and I think he's going to, he's gotten better, especially as well too, from his junior to senior year in Temple. He got a lot better in coverage as well too. It, it, it was pretty impressive to see him develop into not only a good run-stuffing, ball-hawking linebacker, he's able to run from sideline to sideline using that speed that he has as well, too. I think this, I think this is actually going to be a fun battle to watch going into training camp between Riley and Bradley because I think you, you're going to see – I think you're, a lot of people are going to be surprised by Bradley when it comes to his level of play, uh, I think as his intensity, and it, most especially it looks like organizationally with the philosophy, his speed. So I think that's – I think Sean Bradley is going to be a really good person to watch. Yeah, I think that linebacker battle in general is really interesting because people harp on how much the Eagles don't care about the linebacker position, but the real reason why that is is actually – from, from a scheme standpoint, now the Eagles use a lot of nickel and dime packages. Obviously, the nickel package has become the norm or the base formation in the NFL because teams are spreading out three wide receivers. They're using tight ends. You know, they're using a lot more t- tight ends out wide. Like, it's becoming an interesting setup. And so what the Eagles do is they rock a lot of big nickel packages where they put three safeties as a opposed to three corners out there. And I think when you look at how much they use safeties, especially in their dime looks where you'll have a nickel corner, uh, a nickel safety, and then you'll have, you know, your outside corners, your free and your strong safety, you know, having those six guys out there, you're really limiting how many, how much you use your linebackers. Nate Gary's going to be the guy who's going to be out there probably all three downs and then you're going to feature TJ Edwards when you're in nickel packages. So I don't think the Eagles prioritize the linebacker position because of the way they view the secondary. The secondary is going to be the, the straw that stirs the drink this year, even when you consider how much they've impacted the defensive line with free agency in the draft, uh, how much of an emphasis they put into it. If the secondary doesn't work, they are screwed. And also, I'll piggyback off of that, too. I think that the amount of talent that they have at a defensive tackle positions are going to be help them out a lot. When you have Hargrove and you have Cox right there occupying the middle of it, the middle of that interior line, I think it frees the linebackers up a little bit more so they can go ahead and get to the, shoot those, those gaps, see what's going on, and also and diagnose the play a lot better. The one thing, no matter who's going to be back there in nickel or safety, the one thing I want to see improvement on this year, as opposed to what we see last year and I want to see from you guys 
can these linebackers, they're undersized, can they go ahead and shed some of these blocks? Because when you're going against the likes of the Leo Collins and Zach Martins of the league, can these smaller guys go ahead and shed them? When they're trying to come to a second level, can they go ahead and shed the blocks and still make the play, try to tackle the Elliott? So I think that's going to be another thing that you're going to have to look at. When And I can, I can live with his linebacking crew as long as that defensive line is able to go ahead and do their job. So I'm uh, completely okay with them, but they're going to have to be able to shed blocks and freely utilize that speed that they have. Yeah, I mean, they've kind of put their a lot they put a lot on their defensive line. They put a lot on their secondary because of their their talent at linebacker. I mean, you know, this has been one of the best run-stopping teams in the league, not because they have strong linebacker play, but because their defensive line is so good at stopping the run. They also had Malcolm Jenkins who was a phenomenal tackler at the safety position and who played a lot of linebacker in dime packages. So they're going to have to figure that out. You know, they brought in Will Parks. They brought in Kayvon Wallace, two guys who are very good tacklers at the defensive back position. Um, They're going to be battling for that third safety job. I'm a huge Kayvon Wallace guy, like huge. I think his ability to play nickel corner really helps them from a from a schematic standpoint because you don't never you don't really have to take him off the field. If he's playing nickel, you're good. If he if it you know, they brought in Nicole Roby Coleman, who I believe will be the starting nickel corner, but when you're looking at inner interjecting these two guys in and out of the the lineup i think you're in really good shape will parks can play all over the field uh jalen mills who's moving to strong safety that's going to be an interesting experiment i've got a bold prediction here i think will parks will be the starting strong safety by week four wow really Um, really wow how so yeah because i think eventually so they're going to move avante maddox outside uh, to 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 start opposite Darius Slay most likely. Now he's competing with Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas. I'll believe that's a true competition when I see it. Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas have both both been working a ton in the offseason to get better and improve. Um, you know, I, I just like to me Avante Maddox is that job is Avante Maddox's to lose. And you know, I think what Mills brings to the table is the ability to play multiple spots. I think moving him around makes a lot of sense. I actually think he's a better fit for the big nickel role as opposed to the strong safety role, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so, like, I think, you know, they talk about this positionless secondary. Well, really, that strong safety spot has to do a lot. And you're asking a lot of a former corner who's not that quick, who has – really a tough time reading reacting to plays now he's faced up now like you you know he's facing the quarterback now he doesn't have to you know turn his hips and coverage which will help him but to me i think using jalen to move around is smarter than having him stationary at a strong safety position because if you keep him stationed at strong safety you're kind of you can game plan for him. You can scheme for him. And so I think when you look at the way they're going to use Darius Slay, where he moves around maybe week to week, like if Darius Slay is going up against the best uh, receiving option and that's a tight end, you know, he's going to be playing basically safety at times. And you've got to be able to move your safeties around. Those safeties have to be able to play other positions. If he's covering a a slot receiver, he's 
playing nickel. And so your nickel corners have to be able to move outside. And I think that's when you use Jalen Mills outside with Avante Maddox. Yeah, that's not ideal, but you're taking away the top receiving option already. So I think it's going to be an interesting experiment to see how they do. Like maybe you see it to where only Darius Slay is the only like legitimate Darius Slay and maybe Rodney McLeod are the only two like legitimate starters because you're changing up the game plan to see what what the best matchup is. And I think that's where we're at with the NFL. I mean, it's a matchup game. And so maybe the Eagles want to disguise how they're going to cover from week to week by just mixing up personnel. Maybe one week, Nicole Roby Coleman's the starting nickel. The next week, Avante Maddox is because they like the matchup better. And you've moved Jalen Mills outside or you've moved Rasul Douglas outside. Uh, it's just something very interesting to me. And I, I, as a guy whose favorite position is defensive back, it's going to be really fun to watch. So wrapping this up here, your first show, Chris, uh, what Zach and I like to do typically at the end of shows is kind of have our final word, something that we've been thinking about, but we didn't talk about on the podcast. Do you have anything you want to bring up that, uh, that revolves around the Eagles or maybe your move to the Eagles beat? Uh, and, and we can kind of get your final thoughts right now. I think the final thoughts is, is, it's been on my mind a lot because uh, the, vi- the virus has hit a personal note with my family uh, with some of some of the stuff that's uh, I may share another time, but the virus hit pretty hard when it comes to this. So when I see and you hear some story, you see you online, it's like some of the athletes, I think a lot of the Eagles have taken this very seriously, which I commend them very much for. When you see some of these athletes that are going around and they're not taking seriously, think if they're Superman, I think that it's going to be. I'm hoping that we have a season this year. I truly do. And I think when a lot of these teams and the Eagles have always provided themselves, they say it's one of the major organizational things they provide. They try to find those character guys. Well, that's going to be definitely up under the gun this year to make sure they did find those character guys because. They may have the temptation of going out. They may have the temptation of seeing, hey, I mean, it's, it's rough. You, know, you can't see your family, your friends like you normally do. But at the same time, you're trying to go ahead and make sure you win a, another Super Bowl. So if they're go, they're able to go ahead and they do stick to form and there's no, as Governor Murphy calls, knucklehead moments where people are going out or they hear out, I think this team will be fine. But I think it has to be reiterated since there's no bubble. I know the Saints said they're possibly doing their own version. Since there's no bubble, I think these players really, really have to look at themselves and continue. And for the most part, they're all doing well. Continue to go ahead and take this thing seriously and stay sequestered away and do the best they can. I mean, you can, that's, all, that's all anybody can ask is do the best you can. Wash your hands. That's pretty much. Well... After that serious note, I, uh, now I feel like whatever I bring up is not going to be really like that, uh, you know, that great. But um, look, so I wrote this the other day. Vinny Curry is still out there on the free agent market. The Eagles kept the number 75 jersey open. I brought this up earlier. You know, you can put guys of any experience on the practice squad, and maybe they view Vinny Curry as a guy who's in the twilight of his career, but he also knows the defense. He, he's been successful in the defense. Uh, look, Josh Sweat's going to step up and be the number three defensive end, but behind him, you don't really know what you're working with. You've got a bunch of unknowns and Sharif Miller and Joe Ostman and Casey Tuhill and even Jannard Avery to that 
that extent. Um, it might make sense to have Vinny Curry brought in for training camp, push those other guys. Um, and you know what? If he's not good, you know, you've probably signed him to a minimum contract with no guarantees. You can cut him. Uh, if you feel like he is more of an emergency player, you put him on the practice squad and keep him around. He gets to continue his career in a defense he knows, in a city he loves, uh, for a team he loves. I don't see the loss in any of that risk. Um, I don't see any risk, really. So that's kind of where I am at on my soapbox. Uh, Like Vinny Curry, he's a good influence in the locker room. Yeah, he's not going to give you tons of stats, but he had five sacks last year as a rotational defensive end. I don't think that's anything to scoff at. I'm actually kind of surprised he's still on the market. Um, Guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, You know, Chris... You were definitely not a Debbie Downer. You brought the heat today. I appreciated you uh, bringing some some added knowledge and added perspective. It's nice to have another football uh, aficionado on the show. Um, we're looking forward to kind of bringing you that deep analysis and deep perspective on this team and on the NFL as we kind of weather this storm of coronavirus and potential you know stoppage in play or potential you know down season or whatever um we're going to be here for you every week uh hopefully we'll have a new podcast every thursday that's the plan moving forward we'll have some emergency podcasts if if the eagles make a big move um i don't expect that given their cap situation for next year but maybe it's that they trade away someone else to free up some cap space that they can roll over next year uh seems like that's an option that could potentially be on the table um down the road depending on how training camp works out how injuries shake up etc so thank you for joining the no huddle show podcast we hope you download the no huddle show podcast if you haven't already wherever podcasts are available we will see you next week unless there's something big that drops this weekend i wouldn't be shocked if there was something just because that's our luck (laughs) Um, Chris, thanks for joining me. We'll see you guys soon.